2: Hour number three of the show. We are at the owners' meetings in Arizona, Phoenix, Arizona, to be exact. Vinny Bonsignor and your boy Q. And, of course, my man, DeMond Cotton, is in the Family Cadillac Performance Studio. The question that we threw out there to you that you can respond to on the don'tbebroke.com text line, what question would you like answered from Coach McDaniels, GM Dave Ziegler, and owner Mark Davis? Hit us up at 69187, keyword R&R. Joining us right now on the phone lines, though, as we take a little bit of a twist and talk a little March Madness as the final four is set is Coach Scott Spinelli. He's joined us each and every Monday at 4 o'clock to talk about march madness and well we got the final four teams coach and uh the way that we got here i don't think anyone expected it but what have you thought about just the overall uh tournament and how it's how it's shooken out so far
1: oh god and i tell you what just like you guys i'm sure so much fun uh excitement uh to see a lot of new faces and to feel the energy that the ncaa tournament uh especially this year provided everybody um You know, look, maybe besides the World Cup, uh, the NCAA tournament is probably the most, um, uh, I should say, supportive uh, tournament in terms of having a team where all the players um, are rooting for one another, they're pulling for one another, the coaches, their families, the alumni, the students. I mean, there's just nothing like it in sports, and this year... Certainly with all the
2: upsets and the,
1: you know, the, the, the new faces, the Florida Atlantics of the world, uh, it's just made so much fun for everybody.
2: Yeah. How much healthier, and I guess maybe that's not even the right word, but just how much better has it been this year in the tournament because there are so, na- so many new faces that you can't just pencil in, okay, this team, this team, and this team is going to be there at the end. Now you actually have to watch the action to see how it all unfolds.
1: Well, a couple things with that. First, as you guys know, the transfer portal and the COVID year, the fact that these kids all got an extra year in college. And, you know, there's a lot of teams um, that fill the, the the need every coach wants, and that is uh, for your team to get old. And I think we saw that this year. But what's really fascinating to me is to see, excuse me, how some of these programs have been built. You have a team like a Miami who – you know, has so much on, you know, transfers and they've got NIL deals that have, you know, they came out with a number today that they're kind of, you know, with with what they are able to provide for their student athletes, at least men's basketball. And then you talk about programs that have, even though they sprinkled some transfers in, you know, they're so, um, the chemistry camaraderie with Florida Atlantic. And, you know, you look at a team like a San Diego State, who's, Again, you know, older experience, culture, there are some transfers, but not as many. Then you look at a UConn team with all this depth and talent. (laughs) So I just think that the overall NCAA tournament, in terms of like how we're seeing not only teams who have gotten old,
3: but how different programs are being built. Coach, um, when you talk about the NIL, And you talk about the transfer portal. I've had many conversations with friends of mine. And I'm not going to sit here and say I'm right or wrong or anything like that. But I always felt like, as opposed to it helping the top, top programs, I felt like it was actually going to help the lower level programs, you know, not to say that San Diego state is a lower level program, but I think, you know, what my point is in terms of where they are in the whole landscape. I actually thought this was a way for, for smaller programs to get better in a hurry and maybe even the playing field a little bit uh, more. Am I wrong to, 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 to make that assumption that the, the, the NIL and uh, the transfer portal has a way of maybe actually helping some of the the, the lower level programs rather than hurting them? Well, for certain, I agree with you, the transfer portal, uh, you know, definitely, because
1: as you just said, you can go and get a kid maybe that's older coming from a Power Five conference or even from a lower conference or even Division Two, for that matter, and bringing them in and they're, again, seasoned vets. uh, So that experience that every coach is looking for, to your point, um, is definitely a benefit for, you know, for all levels, especially the mid-major ones. In terms of the NIL, you know, I agree with it, but I just think we're so, um, you know, it's so new to all of us. We're all learning this new NIL landscape together. Um, You know, some people like, you know, Miami have it figured out a little bit more than others right now, and they've been able to kind of capitalize on that side of it. But I do think it's ever-changing. It's evolving. I think we're going to see as we start to, you know, get a little bit more into this over the next several years uh, hopefully we can level the playing field a little bit more on that because again, some of these high level programs probably have more access to, again, this is just my thought to,
3: to more, um, you know, well funded boosters or companies, et cetera. One more on the transfer portal. Uh, We cover professional sports. I cover the Raiders. They have a pro personnel department. Yes, we know about their college scouting department, which when they go into the draft, that's who they're relying on. But there's also a pro personnel department that's taking a look at other teams and scouting other teams uh, for a lot of different reasons, one of which could be player acquisitions at some point through trades or free agency. Are we... Are jobs now opening up, or um, you know, in terms of the the transfer portal? So colleges are scouting other colleges just in case somebody becomes available that they are in a better position to seize that moment and take advantage of those players that become available.
1: Oh yes, I mean that's absolutely fact right there. I mean, there's no question that you know over the year you're looking at games. So, like for example, most times you know when we're preparing for games, you're looking at the opposition based on you know, what you can exploit offensively, defensively, their personnel now becomes even that much more uh, important because not only are you evaluating them for your game, you're looking at potential transfers and vice versa. You know, other games that you're watching, maybe a common opponent that you're playing, who's playing in the non-conference, somebody else, that you kind of catch the eye of another kid on their team. So, yeah, to your point, for certain You're watching all the other teams out there and trying to get a gauge and a
2: feel for who they
1: might have if they do, in fact, go into the
2: portal. Again, we're talking with Coach Scott Spinelli right now here on Radio Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness, talking all things March Madness. My man, Damon Cotton, back in our Finley Cadillac Performance Studios. Got one for you.
0: I know coaching isn't genetic, but I've got to ask about Dan Hurley, you know, his dad Bob, what he used to do over there at St. Anthony's. But, man, how good has this UConn team been? Because they are the number one ranked team in Ken Palm. And I know some people don't want us to believe in the numbers or the analytics, but they are looking like the best team in the country with the performance that they've put on throughout the tournament.
1: Well, you know what? They proved me wrong. I mean, I thought going into the Big East tournament that they were the team to beat. And then Marquette, you know, really exposed them in terms of creating offense through UConn's live ball turnovers, they pressured them. They, you know, they were running, jumping, they were doubling them. The UConn turned it over, and that's why they lost in that game. And so, I didn't know if UConn's, you know, again, their turnovers were going to come back to plague them in this tournament. I thought that they were, but to your point, right now, I mean, they're playing as well, obviously, even better uh, than most any other team in this tournament right now. And um, they're deep, they're confident, uh, they're they're pretty much. Uh, right now, p- clicking on all cylinders. And so, yeah, I, I think by, you know, that right now they're the best, well, this isn't the best, they're the hottest team coming into this final four. But that doesn't guarantee them, you know, uh, the cutting down the nets. They're, they're going to have to face some adversity here at some point, And that's when we're going to see uh, if they can
0: overcome that cause they haven't really been tested quite yet. I've got to ask about FAU. Dusty May, the job that he's done. <laughs> Get, could anybody have seen this coming, FAU? I didn't have them getting out of the first round because I'm a huge Memphis fan, but how impressive has that job been, FAU, to get all the way to the Final Four?
1: What's really fun about it, guys, is this. First of all, from a coaching standpoint, is to see how well-drilled they are. When you really watch them on the floor, I mean, their defense, I mean, they're in a stance, they're communicating one pass away Uh, You know, we like to talk fingertips and voices, where you're pointing to the guy uh, who has the ball, as well as your man, and your voice is always communicating. Um, And then you see the closeout positioning, one pass away, two pass away with rotations. And then what really kind of makes it fun is you have a team that's really not the biggest team, not the most athletic team. Yeah, they you know they've got a couple guys who are you know, in, in the middle, of big Fell Golden, But they, they rebound the ball. I mean, they out-rebounded Kansas State by 20. And, I mean, to think about that, that's effort, that's, you know, desire. Um, and that, to me, shows that no matter what analytic that we can talk about, from, this is where I think, you know, we've got it sometimes twisted, is all these analytics we use in the metrics of basketball, whether it's football, basketball, et cetera, you cannot judge the will or determination on a metric. And I think Florida Atlantic is is, perf- is showing us exactly what that means.
0: We got a text in from Mailman Raider, and he asked, does San Diego State being in the Final Four, does that help the Mountain West as a whole?
1: It does. You know, we talked about the Mountain West. I actually thought the Mountain West this year coming in was even going to do better in terms of more teams winning. But uh, obviously San Diego State hasn't disappointed Um but I do think it helps. Look, I, I mean, every year it's different. Every year is its own year, supposedly. But when you have a team coming out of the Mountain West, like a San Diego State, in a Final Four, who has beaten some <laughs> really good teams, including Alabama, et cetera, Creighton, I mean, I do think it gives the conference a lot more name recognition and credibility. In, in and, you know, look, no matter what happens in the future, you can't help but think that, hey, this is a, this is a conference that put together a Final Four team.
2: Again, we're talking with Coach Scott Spinelli here on Unnecessary Roughness, Radio Nation Radio 920. I wanted to go back to UConn real quick, and I know that they still have to prove themselves, but they are there in the Final Four, and it just seems like there's something in their DNA. When they get to March Madness, they just know what to do. Obviously, it's not the same team year after year, but it's just something about that program in March. Like, they just go along with each other. Is that, I mean, is that just me tripping, or is that, is that a real thing, Coach?
1: Well, you know what, recently they haven't done it, but to your point, when they have had the team, which, again, right now they certainly do, their talent level is just exceptional, Um, you know, they do get into this tournament and they do, um, you know, uh, become very impactful and make a run. And and this year, um, it seems like, like you said, I mean, that, that UConn, you know, that stores, that Husky magic is back in the air Uh, as it was way back when, you know, Kevin Ollie, Coach Ollie, won it, and then obviously Coach Calhoun and the success he had. But, um, yeah, I I do think right now UConn is – it is fun, but they
3: are definitely playing uh, exceptionally well, um, you know, right now. I don't want to throw, uh, you know, the the, the water on the fire here, um, but I have to ask this question. Uh, We don't have the Blue Bloods uh, in this Final Four outside of Connecticut. Uh, That's a premier program. What's this going to look like from ticket sales and, 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 um, mm. and, and also television uh, ratings when we have the type of teams that we have in there? Not to take anything away from them, but are they going to show up? Are the fans from Miami, are the fa- fans from you know Florida, Atlantic, San Diego State, are they going to show up and support? And, and what's that going to look like?
1: Oh, well, it's funny you say that. We were doing some interviews down with some of the stations in Florida, and one of them was like, I'm not sure the fans at, at, at Boca really know that there's a there's a game going on right now to get to the Final Four. Now, if it was a Gucci
3: sale,
1: <laughs> I'm <not sure> <laughs> it in I was told that the other day in an interview. But, um, you know, I don't know, guys. I, look, how could you not enjoy yeah. real, um, you know, uh, the, the, the work, work with sports? But to me, when I say real, I just think, you know, the amateur side of this and these kids having an opportunity to play on this stage, I mean, they've been dreaming about it their entire life. Um, Here they are. Um, You're not looking at guys that were supposedly the most highly ranked kids, which I think is really encouraging for a lot of other young people out there to know that you can develop whatever sport at at his or her own pace. Everybody has their own path. I think there's a lot of narratives and plots of this whole Final Four that can help the masses, um, and, and look, there's a lot of kids out there, guys, that are going to watch these games and, you know, they're going to say, hey, I can relate to that kid or I can relate mm-hmm. to that kid and I wasn't this and I wasn't that. You know, to be a, a five-star or to be a top hundred, this, there's, there's only so many of those guys, and for most kids, they never get that ranking, but it doesn't, it shouldn't deter from becoming the best version of themselves, and I think we're seeing that, uh, and it makes it exciting in the, in the Final Four.
0: I've got to ask about Miami, but more specifically, head coach Jim Laranega, making his second Final Four. We know he previously did it with George Mason and that that spectacular run that they had. What can you say about Jim Laranega as a coach? Because it seems like of coaches, they have that legacy. He gets the most out of his players.
1: Well, you know, I obviously had a pleasure as an assistant for a long time in my years in Maryland. and Even at Wichita State, we played George Mason when he was there. And and then even going into Boston College and uh, playing against him every year, most of the time, twice. Um, And then even as a head coach, you know, when I was the interim head coach at Boston College, uh, you know, coaching against him. And the one thing to me that has always stood out about Coach Laranager is, to your point, he gets the best out of his guys. There's a, um, how do I say, a structured freedom uh, within his system, meaning that, His players are allowed to be themselves. Um, and there's really a lot of, I've never seen negative reinforcement. Yeah, I'm sure there's accountability, which all coaches have to, you know, hold their kids to. But, you know, for the most part, I just see a team out there that's enjoying themselves, having fun, um, and, and, and playing to, to the best of their abilities and a coach who's supporting that. I think that's what makes him, you know, um, you know, one of the uh, true greats of the game as a coach.
2: Tell you what, it's been a lot of fun, man. The tournament has been fantastic. I'm assuming that the Final Four is going to be uh, fantastic as well. And, look, I don't care who's at the in Houston watching it. I don't care who's not watching it on TV. I know this guy is going to be watching it on TV. Yeah. I'm very excited about <laughs> how, how it all shakes out. Coach, thanks so much for your time. We we'll always appreciate your breakdowns. We'll talk to you next week, and we'll talk about a potential champion. Yep.
1: Thanks for having me, guys. Have a great
2: night. Will do. Appreciate you, Coach Scott Spinelli, right there. It's great, man. We've had this run ever since the brackets were released with him. Each and every week, it's been fantastic just to get a kind of a recap of the weekend. And Vinny, I'll tell you right now, as a has a son that plays in you know Division two basketball, what I've seen this tournament has been some of the best stuff in a long time. Yeah,
3: I completely agree, and um, you know it's going to be. I mean, the fact that San Diego State or Florida Atlantic it's right. going to be in the championship. If right. Think about that for yep. a second. Yep. Like when do when could you have ever really And I don't think it's going to I think this is going to be I don't think this is going to be an outlier.
2: I don't either. I don't either. You know what's funny is that there was 20 million plus brackets put in on, Ooh. you know, ESPN or whatever, the you know, the brackets that they they put in, only 37 people picked the final 4 correctly out of 20 million. Well, I'm surprised there's even that many. I know, me too. But I'll give 37 people, and that, I'm sure that they had multiple brackets like, too. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. I only had one bracket, and mine was destroyed day one.
0: <laughs> so <laughs> It's going to,
3: I, I would think that for just for that element of it, yeah. you know, because we all want to win if we're competing in those things, I think it's going to force us to be a little bit more diligent in how we actually look at these things and not yep. just look at the names yeah. of the school. Look at who they played. Look right. at their, rec- I, you know what? It's so crazy because, uh, you know, my son was – he had got accepted into Ole Miss. and We yeah. took a trip yeah, out to Ole that. Miss yep. in November. Guess who they – we got tickets to their basketball game. Mm-hmm. They played Florida Atlantic. <laughs> That's who I saw yeah. it in November. Right. And I'm thinking, there's no way right. at that point I could have ever predicted that they would, that would be a Final Four We 14.
2: cover San Diego State in the yeah, Mountain West. Right.
3: Damon, you know, I mean, look,
2: they're not uh, – I don't want to say they're not that good, but they weren't, they weren't nothing that impressed me throughout the course of the year.
0: They're the football team that's actually playing basketball. That's their style of play, <laughs> <laughs> and they even got that style of play to get them to the final four. But so it, yeah, I, I would have never
2: called it. I, I mean, I wouldn't have called it. You know, Ed Graney, uh, San Diego State alum. I don't think he called it.
0: No, he was like, if
3: we could get to the fi- if we could get to the Sweet Sixteen, what a great year! Right. Then the Great Eight. Right. Now the Final Four, and maybe the National Championship game. I yeah. Mean, it's 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 great. I really like to see it, and I. You know, uh, to your point, DeMond, asking about how this helps the Mountain West, it cannot hurt, that's for sure.
2: At all, at all, because now they have to be taken seriously. And, and you know, Coach even told us before uh, any of this really shook out, he said that he liked the Mountain West. He was like, I like about three or four teams from the from the right. Mountain West. So there's that. It's, it's, it's continuing to grow. And, and, I mean, it's, again, to your point – it's kind of – I don't want to say it's a level playing field because there's still going to be, you know, some highs and some lows and some that are just the rich and some that aren't aren't the the rich. But there's, you're seeing talent being spread out throughout all these different programs because of the transfer portal. Guys that are really good believe that they can go and play right away and a program that needs them will let them play right away.
3: Who can win their last six games of the year, right? That's right. That's what it comes down to. Is it six? Um, pretty much. Uh,
2: 64, 32, make me do math on the fly. 16, Yeah. <laughs> there you go. You
3: go six and zero. Oh.
2: Yeah, yeah. No, I mean that's what it is, and that's what that's what tournaments are about, man. It's a it's a it's a game of runs, right? Mm-hmm. And you you've got to get hot. You've got to roll with uh, Demond's favorite momentum, and you've got to make it Uh-oh. happen, man. You know, I know Demond don't believe <laughs> yeah. in it, but but you got to roll in it.
0: It's, have it. it's 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 it, but it, it's but it's <laughs> one of those things where you got me there. <laughs> That's all I can say. When you look at a that, team. you know
2: how many times you said that when we have this momentum argument. You, you like, well, there, you well, got me there on
0: that one. Well, yeah, a little bit. Sometimes he's I get traveling.
3: He's believing in momentum, right? When the I do the broadcast for the
0: XFL games, it's it's one of those things I, I have to bite my tongue, but it's like nothing else I can't say. Where the Vipers, they base they got shut out. Right. And I was like, they yeah, they need a couple of good plays to get some momentum going, right? <laughs> See, you could feel it. Next, next (laughs) thing thing you know,
2: next thing you know, Demond's going to be responsible. Right? He's going to actually have an ID when he goes to Arizona instead of trying to wing it. I mean, man, we're 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 seeing this young man grow at the same time. We're we're, love to see it. We're learning him at the same time. Raiders (laughs)
3: need some young players to grow.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's a good point. There you go. They're going to (laughs) grow as DeMond grows. But uh, we definitely appreciate Coach Scott Spinelli, again, joins us each and every Monday uh, to break down March Madness. And now we're on to the Final Four. Coming up next, Ari Mayroff from the33team.com. He'll join us to talk all things NFL, what he learned today at the NFL owners' meetings. It's Vinny Bonsignor, your boy Q, and, of course, DeMond Cotton in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. This is Raider Nation Radio 920.
0: Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q.
2: Back here at the owners' meetings in Arizona. It's been a fun day. It's been a long day so far, but it's been a very fun day. And We threw the question out there on the don'tbebroke.com text line. What question would you like answered for Coach Moshin? Coach McDaniels, GM Dave Ziegler, and owner Mark Davis. And, of course, you can always chime in on the show uh, with anything else as well. at 69187, keyword r something that's on your mind. It is all good. And uh, coming up in a matter of seconds, we'll have Ari May Rob from the team.com join us here at the table. My man Vinny is uh, out chasing another little story, so he'll be back with us in a few minutes. But uh, from the text line, Mailman Raider said, Demond doing commercials now, 2Q? Our sweet boy is growing up, LOL. So, yeah, there you go. Now DeMond's on commercials. Look out. We have no idea uh, when this will ever stop. But, uh, yeah, he'll be actually on location on Friday at uh, DeMond. Where are you going to be at again? Finley Toyota, right?
0: Yep, yep. Finley Toyota and the Valley Auto Mall down Henderson.
2: Nice. And what will you be doing there?
0: I'm going to be there with, a. Uh, we don't know yet, but some players from the XFL Vipers team. Okay. So that's going to be fun. That's going to be a blast. Cannot wait for that.
2: There you go. There you go. And I believe that's uh, 3 to 5 p.m. Uh, Finley Toyota. You could join Taman. He'll be out there hanging out with some Vegas Vipers. And it's only right that he's on the on the call with them with, uh, with my guy Harry Ruiz. So it's only right that he's out there. Uh, at finley toyota so we'll definitely uh, look forward to that jim from yonkers sam said jim laranega grew up in the bronx and played for legendary high school coach jack curran at Ma- malloy and queens uh curran picked him up every day he learned from the best thank you for a great show that's jim from yonkers thank you so much for that uh, let's see what else did we get i want to make sure i catch up on um oh here we go robin oakland said i'd ask these questions uh for mark davis outside of wins what faxters uh, what factors constitute improvement for Dave Ziegler? Does having a dominant team like Kansas City in the division affect your long-term draft strategy? If yes, how? And for Josh Daniels, will Jimmy G play this preseason? And why or why not? That's Robin Oakland. Then he also said, to be clear for my question to Dave Ziegler, I want to know his specific plan to deal with Reed and Mahomes without asking it that specifically. And that's a really good question. That's something that John Gruden tried to do. If we remember, he tried to draft four the Kansas City Chiefs, like, okay, we're going to draft players and try to build this team to be able to beat the Chiefs. And you, I think that you would have to. I think that's why that's a great question. You would have to know who's in your division that you're going to play twice a year, and know that that's that's who you got to be better than. I mean, I don't care how you shape it up, how you dress it up, shine it up, whatever, whatever you're going to do with it. You know that you're playing them twice twice a year, and you've got to find a way to beat them. So, uh, Demond, how do you think that? They should go about, I mean, are they? do you think that they need to build a team with the chance to be able to compete with uh, Kansas City?
0: I think you have to because you can't b- build a team that says, hey, well, it's just the cliche playoff football. This is a team that's going to be pre- prepared to play in January. But it doesn't matter if you can't make it to January. <laughs> right, so right. you got to build a team that can beat the te- the better teams in your division.
2: No doubt, and when Vinny comes back, we'll definitely ask him that question as well. As he had a couple minutes to, to talk with uh, with GM Dave Ziegler and also Mark Davis. I think that's a great question, Rob in Oakland. We definitely appreciate that. Six nine one eight seven keyword R and R. You can keep those questions rolling in again. If you had an opportunity to get a question answered from the head coach Josh McDaniels, the GM Dave Ziegler, and owner Mark Davis. What question would that be? Joining us now here at the table at the owners' meetings our guy Ari Mayrov, the 33 Team.com. You can find him on Twitter at MySportsUpdate. And Ari, uh, how are you doing?
4: Doing well. What a morning so
2: far. Yeah, it's a little bit exciting, huh? What it's, in the world uh, happened?
4: You know, these owners' meetings, usually you just come in, there's owners walking around, GMs walking around, their families are here. You don't expect that much news to come out. right? And then today, you know, you go out to this breakfast where all the, the coaches are there. And then boom, Lamar stuff happened. So it's been um, it's been quite the morning.
2: It really has. And so Lamar, for anyone who doesn't know, put out the tweet about he re- uh, requested a trade around March 2nd. And so here we are at the end of March now. What has changed, though? What, what changes from him being a non-exclusive franchise tag holder where every team could have interest in him to, well, knowing that he doesn't want to be there right now, at least that's what he says?
4: Well, now it's a little bit different because when you're non-exclusive tagged, then you're allowed to negotiate with him. And then the team... Um, the Ravens have the right to match or give up two first-round picks. By putting it out there that I'm forcing my way out of Baltimore, the change is... I want to get a deal from somebody, and I don't really care about Baltimore anymore. So it's basically you negotiate with no two first-round picks, negotiate whatever trade is, and no matter what, that team is getting me, and that's it. Some of the stuff that you've been hearing as of the last month is that one of the reasons why teams might not be negotiating with Lamar is because teams are like, we're doing the contract for Baltimore, then just match and we leave. Right. This scenario, Lamar is like, no, you guys do the contract, I'm coming to you. So I think that's part of the difference here. But as I've been saying all along, these two sides, Lamar doesn't have an agent. Baltimore, in my opinion, is one of the best teams in not allowing stuff to leak. It's gotten to a point where since March 2nd, this has been a thing and nobody found out. So we'll see where it goes if a team does step up. Up until now, no team has stepped up. And I don't really see why that could change. Mm -hmm. But I guess let's see what happens now, now that teams know Lamar wants out of there.
2: Well, that's the thing. I mean, how many teams should be interested? It's the most important position in football, and you know what kind of player he is. And yeah, there's been some injury history, uh, especially at the end of last season and before, but he's still one of the most dynamic players in the league.
4: That's the crazy part about it. Like, when you talk to people, and, and people will point at the fact he doesn't have an agent, but... Think about it. A 26-year-old former NFL MVP, the most important position in football, the position that if you don't have that, your life is miserable in the NFL, right. and he's basically available. The contract demands are a problem, probably, but it's a quarterback, and every team needs it, and nobody's stepping up to the play. I mean, I just think of teams off the bat right now. Tennessee, we don't know what they're doing with Ryan Tannehill yet. That could maybe be an option. The Colts are picking at number four, but there are two teams ahead of them where to take a quarterback. So if you don't like those guys, could we step up? Um, I don't think Detroit does anything. I don't think Washington does anything if the pending ownership change. So it's hard to find the team that could go out and get him and give up picks plus give up the contract. So this thing might go on for a little bit.
2: Is this something that you could see maybe playing out after the draft is already done?
4: So the reason why I could see that is let's just use the Colts as an example, number four. Let's just say the first two picks are quarterbacks. A team shoots up to number three to get a quarterback, and now you're left with the fourth-best quarterback, and you don't love him. So you take Will Anderson, the best defender. Mm-hmm. Now you could circle back to the Ravens and offer picks where you don't know where that pick is going to be because you could be like, I don't want to give up number four. Right. But if we start talking with you after this draft where our picks are again for next year and we could get Lamar right now, maybe that could change. But again, we're jumping so far over here. Um, I think Baltimore has... Has a good idea of where this is going to go, um, if it's time to panic or not. And so far, they haven't shown their hand that they're ready to go crazy. So um, I think this might this might take some more time.
2: It might, and I'll tell you what they they were cool, calm, and collective earlier. I mean, man, John Harbaugh sits down at 7:45, and the news drops at 7:48. It's
4: great. unbelievable. I mean, <laughs> right. for, He's known the trade request is out, but right. he didn't know it was coming out publicly. So yeah. him sitting down at the breakfast table and all of a sudden having to answer this stuff because it just came out that minute, mm-hmm. it changes your whole plan. I I could imagine the PR people told him, all right, say this, say that, whatever. Right. And now everything changes because, um, it's known publicly. So I thought he did a pretty good job considering the circumstances, but um, Lamar's timing was um, yeah. I don't think that was a coincidence
2: No, um, no, not at all Again, we're talking with Ari May, Rob. We're here live at the uh, Owners meetings here in Phoenix And, you know, of course There's a lot of other news Going on around the league But, you know, we were at the Combine And we always say that That's where a lot of business gets done A lot of deals start getting negotiated So how much business gets done here In your opinion?
4: Um, it's not as much as the Combine That's for, for sure The first wave of free agency is over I think, like, there's definitely The face-to-face stuff matters yeah. And the Packers and Jets Being on the same floor yeah. Definitely makes a difference here uh, to try to figure out the Aaron Rodgers trade. Um, the thing that does happen here is, especially whenever these guys are face to face, is. You start floating out names, right? It just all of a sudden happens. And then you're like, okay, we'll we'll continue that conversation in a month or two. But at least you had that prior conversation that maybe you could circle back to it. But for the most part, you'll see all these GMs and coaches, their families are here. It's more of the way somebody explained it to me today who's not here, but an executive. He's like, it's their time off after the last few months where it was just chaotic and they're not at home. And it's like, now we could be together. We still have stuff to do here. There's a lot of meetings going on, but it's also, let's just take a deep breath and then get ready for the draft after the fact.
2: Well, for a lot of these teams, uh, the weather is nicer than wherever they're usually at, right? That's, I mean, I'm, I'm in Vegas, and actually the weather here is way nicer than it is in Vegas <laughs> right now, so this is almost like a vacation for me. It's pretty cool.
4: <laughs> it's awesome. I'm from New York, and it was um, <laughs> it was pretty cool down there, so I'm, I'm, I'm happy to be here. I spoke to Denver guy today told me it was snowing this morning, so right. it's um it's pretty good for some people here.
2: No doubt about it. Again, Ari Mayrov is our guest here on Radio Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness, so looking forward to the draft, we know that quarterbacks are going to go at least 1-2. Carolina already made their move. Houston's in there. They need a quarterback. Do you think that there is going to be a play at number three for Arizona? Do you expect to see a team jump up there uh, with Arizona and swap so they can go get the third best quarterback?
4: Yeah, I think Arizona is in great position. And their GM is Manny Austin Ford, who they just hired. And he's a draft and develop type of a guy. And you look at Arizona's roster, there are so many holes. Right. They had so many free agents this past offseason who left. Um, it was a very old roster that he took over. Obviously, Kyler is going to miss the start of the year. Um, he's in a good position where if a team wants to move up for a quarterback, he could and he could get a real haul and considering the fact that as I said before he's a draft and developed type of a guy I think he wants to have as many draft picks to take as many swings as possible mm-hmm. to get those players um, so if he does get a good offer that he likes I would not be surprised at all if Arizona moves up, uh, moves out and accumulates more draft picks here um, once um, the draft gets closer.
2: I'm assuming CJ Stroud, Bryce Young go one two I don't, I don't know if it's that order but I figure those two guys will be off the board by the time the second pick's over
4: Um, If you ask me today, I would probably agree with you. Things change. Yeah. I mean, if you remember, what was it, three years ago, the 49ers, everyone thought we were taking Mac Jones and right, becoming right. Trey Lance. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
4: Um, I can tell you this much. Carolina traded up to one not knowing who they're taking. Right. So I don't know if that's changed. It probably has by now. But point is, um, things could change in the in, the, in this world. So um, I would probably agree with you right now. But um, what if a team goes to, there's two pro days coming up this week with Richardson and Hooker. Right. And all of a sudden it's like, holy cow, we love the player. We love the conversation we had. We love the pro day. Do minds change that something happens? So you never know. But I would agree with you at this point in time right now.
2: So with that being said, the other two guys that are expected to go in the top 10, Will Levis and Anthony Richardson, And Richardson, as you mentioned, has his pro day this week. Uh, which one is the higher ceiling or more intriguing to you?
4: I think Will Levis is the most polarized one from whenever you speak to people. Like, you literally talk to one person about Levis and it's like, oh, we love this guy. The other guy's like this guy. It's just not for us. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like like two completely different spectrums. Richardson, everyone, the word you'll always hear is traits. And Mm -hmm. it's like everyone loves using that word. And we saw what he did at the Combine. I mean, it was unreal. I mean, that's the thing that if you're a quarterback coach or you're an offensive-minded guy, like, oh, I could work with that guy and make him special. So you'll hear a lot about that. You'll hear hear the word raw a lot. Um, I'll tell you, Richardson doesn't believe he needs to sit, but I would not be surprised if a team that does take him ends up sitting him for a little bit. Um, But I think more teams probably look at Richardson as the guy who has a really high ceiling from all the guys in this draft, probably.
2: I am no draft expert, but I have Seattle pegged at five for the team to to, to take Anthony Richards. It just feels like he would fit there in Seattle. What are your thoughts on that?
4: I wouldn't sleep on five or six with okay. Detroit yeah. as well. I think those two teams, remember they didn't draft there because they were bad. They got those picks from the trades they made. Right. So their mindset is we're never going to be back on top here anytime soon. As That's what they're hoping, obviously. But point is um, we have Gino and we have golf. And I don't think anybody thinks those guys are their quarterbacks five years from now, even though they were great last year. So if we fall in love with a quarterback, do we take that quarterback now have one more year or two more years of Geno and golf, and then eventually pass it over. If you look at Geno's contract, that's a one-year contract. Right. That's not a three-year contract. Right. That's a one-year contract, easy out after the year. Um, so, yeah, I would not rule out Seattle if a quarterback, and I would not rule out Detroit if a quarterback. I mean, those two teams know that they're in a pretty good position right now thanks to the trades they made um, with Seattle, Russell Wilson, and Detroit of Matthew Stafford.
2: Well, and right behind Detroit is the Raiders in there at seven, and we know that they need a quarterback at some point. I mean, they have Jimmy G, but he's not the— Long-term, long-term guy. He's the right now guy.
4: Jimmy G's contract, though, effectively is like a two-year deal. Mm -hmm. So, like, he's there for two years. But I think part of what Seattle and Detroit might be trying to paint over here is we are interested in a quarterback just to maybe get Las Vegas to move up. So, there there are so many games that go on during a draft that um, that could definitely be part of it as well. But um, I know the Raiders definitely had – discussion with the bears to go to number one Mm -hmm. um it didn't come to fruition carolina did that but there was a quarterback they clearly loved in this draft or at least were high on a couple of guys they wanted to move up further so that that tells you something but they moved to jimmy jimmy got a contract that like i said is basically two years could you add a quarterback still sure right but if you look at next year's draft there are people who like those two quarterbacks more than anybody from this year right that's of course um Caleb Williams and, and Drake may. So, um, there, there are many different angles to take with this draft and, um, the way it falls is going to be just fascinating.
2: All right, May Rob from the 33rd team.com is our guest here on radio nation, radio nine twenty unnecessary roughness. So, uh, the big elephant in the room, obviously is going to be Jalen Carter. When it comes to the draft, we were all at the combine when he left and returned and his pro day wasn't spectacular, but his film is right. so what do you do if you're a team and how, 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 I mean, how, how much different do you think one team to another evaluation on him is?
4: Uh, Listen, we, you got to let the legal stuff obviously figure right. it out. The one thing that I said and many people said as soon as this thing happened is that he was lucky this happened in February, right? right? Yeah. If you remember, Laramie Tunsil happened on draft night. L Collins happened draft week. That teams had a panic and like, take them off the board, basically. Right. For Jalen, it's like, okay, let this thing play out. Let everyone talk to him. Let everyone meet with him. Let everything unfold. And then we'll decide, is he on our board? Is he not on our board? Where is he on our board? So that's the advantage that he has in all of this. But I could see a team, let's just say like Seattle, where their GM has been there forever. And... They are notorious for taking risks. Like That, that would make sense. Um, I could see Detroit where they're all about the culture and everything and saying, you know what, um, we could see this guy helping, but at the same time, let's just go the safe route. So there are many different ways of how this, all, how this all works, but you look at the GMs and their history and you kind of get a good picture of where they're at with all of this. So That definitely tells you a little bit. I look at Philadelphia number 10. They're all about the trenches. It right. makes a lot of sense. Um, but again, you got to let this all unfold. There's still a lot of stuff that's up in the air right now, but um, lucky for him, I guess, he has a few more weeks here to go, and teams are starting those thirty visits here. Um, they've already started, but he's going to start taking those visits as well in the coming days
2: and weeks. It's funny; I, I've pegged Seattle to pick everybody. I got him taking Anthony Richardson. I got him taking Jalen Carter. I just feel like, yep, those are they're they're, going They're the one team at the top.
4: <laughs> they're the one team at the top where you know their history. you yeah. know their people. Everyone else is like new people there. It's like right. D'Amico Ryan's is new. Monty Ford is new. It's all these people you don't know what what what, what do they do? You, right. you have no history of that. But Seattle, we all know them for 10, 15 years already. It's like like the same people, same everything. So I totally get it.
2: Yeah, man. It's going to be, I mean, of course, the draft's going to be interesting. That's why we love it. It's still about a month away, so we got plenty of time to talk about it. Well, 3013.com, what are you working on that we should be on the lookout for? and What do you want to get coming out of the, con- uh, not the combine, but the owners' meetings this week?
4: Well, I think the one thing that everyone's going to be talking about a lot is probably the Aaron Rodgers stuff yeah. and then the Lamar Jackson stuff now. So quarterbacks dominate this league. I and mean, you know that. Yep. So that's probably like the, the two things that everyone's going to be talking about over here. But there were some interesting proposal changes made, which will probably probably know more about tomorrow. Um, that's going to be interesting. I don't know what passes and what doesn't, but we'll, we'll see where that goes. But there was some interesting stuff on the docket, that's for sure. Um, overall for the site, though, I mean, a lot of former GMs, former coaches, former players, yeah. um, a lot of really, really good content. that I don't really know if you're able to find in many places. I mean, they, they really dive into stuff that from the perspective of their eyes of how mm-hmm. the league works. It's much different than the fan. Right. So whenever you're able to see it from that angle, it gives you a different perspective of the entire league. So definitely diving into that. I do basically a weekly show now with Trey Wingo, which <laughs> yeah. has been it's awesome. Great because Trey has been on top of this Aaron Rodgers stuff, so he knows a little yep. bit more than other people. So check that out as well. We'll Probably do something later today, but to um, so check out the website. I mean, it's just phenomenal stuff.
2: There. It really is. I mean, I ain't got to sell it, but I'll tell you this, man. It. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how you guys came up with that roster. I mean, the line like you mentioned, GMs, players, coaches. I mean everything it's just every time I look up I was like damn they're on that website too
4: (laughs) Mike Mike Tannenbaum deserves a lot of the credit Joe Brandon deserves a lot of the credit they decided all of a sudden we're gonna do this there's a lot of guys who are out of the league who don't really know how to get back in or don't really know how to still be involved in the game Part of it is you you do broadcasting, which is hard to get into. So be part of a website, um, put stuff on there, give fans a bit of an inside look of how all this stuff works and the response to it from what I've seen from like being there for about four months now, whatever Mm. it is, I, I could see why it's why people love it.
2: They're getting tired of my emails. I keep emailing, "Hey man, can I get this guy on for there? Can I get this guy?" I mean, they're like, "Damn, all right, man. We're
4: gonna, okay. have, to, we're gonna have to connect you. I'm gonna, I'm, <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm gonna gotta get. I'm gonna get you there."
2: There you go. That's what's up. Ari Mayrav, thirty thirteen With us here on Radio Nation Radio nine twenty. Appreciate you, my man. Thanks, cool. No doubt, no doubt. Good stuff. And I I do encourage you to go check out the website, 3013.com. They do a fantastic job. They really do, and they have a hell of a roster when it comes to different coaches, GMs, players that they have contributing to them. I really have enjoyed what I've seen. 4.45 is the time. We'll take a quick break. Come back. Vinny will join us, and we'll close out the hour, close out the show for today. It's Raider Nation Radio 920.
0: Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio
2: got Vinny Bonsignor by my side, also Demon Cotton in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. Just have a few minutes before we wrap up today's show, or as we wrap up today's show, live from the owners' meetings in Phoenix, Arizona. Definitely enjoyed all the different guests that we've had uh, so far on the show. And, of course, we enjoy hearing from you as well, Raider Nation, at 702-365-9200. And also on our Don'tBeBroke.com text line, which is 69187, keyword r Let's close things out. Let's get Raider 66. I know he's got something for me. Come on, 66. What's on your mind?
5: Hey, Ken, how are you doing today? You guys having fun down there? Yes, sir, we're blessed. Oh, yeah. All right, All right. for, uh, for the coach, uh, last year during training camp, he had the team in a non-Raider fashion committing very few turnovers, or no turnovers, and very few penalties. I would like to ask him why he thinks that it didn't translate to the regular season. Mm, cool. To the GM, uh, the Raiders and his former team, the Patriots, are two of a handful of teams that do not belong to these um, scouting groupings, so most teams do, and I would like to know his opinion, why he thinks that that's a benefit. I know Al said that it was because other teams didn't know what it takes to be a Raider. Sure. And to Mark Davis, I would like to know, and Vinny, you can ask him this uh, off the record, but as long as you tell me next time I meet you, <laughs> um, uh, about the Lamar situation. Uh, what he thinks that his dad would have done for this Lamar situation, because I know that Al loves speed He loved playmakers, and he loved mismatches. And Lamar is all three of those guys. This is a man, Al Davis, who convinced Bo Jackson, who was adamant about not playing football, to play part-time. So I am convinced that if Al was still alive, Lamar, he would have convinced Lamar to be in silver and black. Thanks for taking the call, guys. Have a great
2: day. Good stuff. Good yeah. stuff. Raider sixty six. Thanks for the call, right there. Definitely appreciate you. I'm really intrigued by the the penalties and the you know the the turnovers. And I guess the one answer that I would give is, well, most of those guys weren't
3: the guys that normally played. That exactly. And uh, you look at, I mean, I'm you know not trying to point any fingers, but you know when the quarterback throws as many interceptions as he did, that's one of the reasons why he's not here. I'm yeah. being straight up. I mean, why? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, so <clears throat> they're hoping that you know, the the new quarterback is is more efficient. And I'm not blaming Derek. It could have been a lot of different things that were going on, Um, you know, uh, a lack of knowledge about the offense and, you know, work with new wide receivers. Whatever the case might be, it wasn't good enough, period. And uh, they're trying to, you know, uh, do something different now at, at, at quarterback Uh, And I think the long range plays big into that and who they identify as the future face of this franchise. But, yeah, uh, that was unacceptable. They have to cut down the turnovers, and they have to force more turnovers as well.
2: Right, they do. And I I really, I mean, to Raider 66 point, man, I, I would love to be in a world in time when the Raiders don't commit very many penalties. And they had so many penalties in uh in 2022 and i mean they've had them each and every year but yeah i would love to see a time when they stop doing that and and kind of going back to what we talked about a lot throughout the course of the summer which is don't shoot yourself in the foot don't beat yourself make the other team beat you and unfortunately there's too many times last season
3: where they beat themselves yeah that ram game really comes to <laughs> mind uh, with, with jerry tillery and uh, i remember talking to some rams people after that game q and they were like man you know what what, what they they Honestly, I know this is a competition-based type of a thing, but they felt horrible for the Raiders. They felt mm. horrible for Josh McDaniels. What a tough way to lose. They felt horrible for Jerry Tillery. They're like, on film, he was play- playing really good. He just had a bonehead right. play right. at the worst possible time. and You just, just can't do that. I mean, I guess if you're Josh McDaniels, you have a lot of teaching film to point to yeah. and say, the, the, we could have won this game, we could have won this game, we could have won this game had we... Cleaned up our act, you know, penalty-wise. That's got to drive the point home, uh, you know, more and more and more as they move forward.
2: No doubt. And we want to wrap up with this. And Raider 66, thanks for the call. But uh, Rob in Oakland sent us a text uh, and gave us uh, a question for each: Mark Davis, Dave Ziegler, and Josh McDaniels. I'm going to give you all three questions, but I just want you to answer Dave Ziegler's. He said, "I'd ask these questions for Mark Davis outside of wins. What factors mm-hmm. constitute improvement? I think that you know that's something we've talked about. For Josh Daniels, he said, "Will Jimmy G play this preseason and why or why not? But for Dave Ziggler he says, does having a dominant team like Kansas City in the division affect your long-term draft strategy? If yes, how?
3: Yeah, uh, no, it doesn't. Okay. They're trying to be the best version of themselves. And the only way you could do that is to focus simply on yourself. Um, okay. And this roster has obvious needs and obvious holes. I think the uh, Dave Ziegler being here now for a year um, has been able to, and with along with Josh, mm-hmm. has been able to identify what some of those weaknesses are. And this isn't. You know, their, their quest isn't to catch up to the Kansas City Chiefs. Right. Their quest is to win a Super Bowl, and that means steamrolling the Kansas City Chiefs. Going along through the Kansas way. City at some point. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and uh, don't know what that timeline will look like if Kansas City will still be on top when whenever the Raiders are able to make their move, but. But, you know, they want to steamroll everybody. And, uh, and, and and the only way you can really get, instead of focusing on somebody else, focus on yourself.
2: Well, in the, the last staff, you know, Gruden was trying to build a team. And he said it. He's trying yeah. to build a team to beat KC. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think for a minute he was onto something. You know, built the speed, he had the playmakers, you know, he had a deep threat. I mean he had he had a lot to like that looked like that they can compete with Kansas City, but obviously we know how it shook out, and so now it's a different roster. But you're you're saying all in all it's to beat everybody, not focus in on Casey.
3: Yeah, and, and it really starts because I think again, they're gonna manufacture points again offensively. They're gonna be able to beat – a team that they scored the 12th most points in the league last year true. in spite of the fact that they were terrible in the red zone right if you could get better in the red zone you're going to be a top 10 offense next year i really believe that i don't know if they're going to get better in the red zone right but if they could get better in the red zone and they can eliminate the uh, turnovers there's no reason this shouldn't be a top 10 offense got to get better defensively you're not going to go anywhere like long you know uh, to, the, to the highest part of the mountain unless you can get that defense squared away and that starts with dominant players Having, you don't have to have dominant players at every position, Q. But four, five guys that can be difference makers, maybe even three on a defense that could be true difference makers, along with solid players at every other position, you could be in good shape, and um, I keep pointing to that draft, and it, it's it, it's going to have to start there. That's where the foundation gets laid.
2: Well, we'll start talking more about the draft, and we've been talking about the draft, but we'll talk more tomorrow as we'll be here live from the owners' meetings. Of course, the morning tailgate, 7 a.m. We'll have Vinny chiming in on that as well. So whatever we get, information we get, we'll bring back to you. DeMond Cotton in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. Great job, Vinny. Appreciate you as always. Right. This has been Unnecessary Roughness on Radio Nation Radio 920.